This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. We'll have the scripture reading for today. Today's passage is taken from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 to 16. Uh, I'll invite Sister Caris to read the passage to us, and then after that, uh, I'll invite Pastor Nicholas to explain this passage to us. Sister Caris, please. Good morning, Church. Today's scripture reading is taken from the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18, from verse 6 to verse 16. If anyone needs a Bible, please feel free to grab one at the back of the hall on the tables. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 6. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the lyre as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David, because the Lord was with David, but had departed from Saul. So he sent David away from him, and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, He had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. It's good to see you today. Uh, this, is a, this is a long passage, uh, and what, we, what I'll be doing here is giving, I'll be giving you a taster of what's going on here uh, so, for you to, so you can have an idea what the main themes are and what the passage is speaking to us. And there are, there are a lot of details that I will skip over, uh, but you feel free to ask me or ask your Bible study leaders uh, after this. Let me pray for us. God, source of all light, by your word, give light to, your, to our soul. Pour out on us spirit of wisdom and understanding, that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be opened to know the things that pertain to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Last night, some of us attended a Zoom prayer meeting with Shirley. Now, one of the random things she said is, in Cambodia, there is no McDonald's. Now, in Singapore, we have McDonald's, and one of the most divisive uh, items on the McDonald's menu is the McSpicy Burger. 
Yeah, I once read about this journalist who loved the McSpicy burger so much. So he decided to see what would happen if he ate it for lunch and dinner every day for one week. So throughout these seven days, he was, he was having a hard time. He was having a mix of constipation and diarrhea. And on top of that, at the end of it, he put on 4.5 kg. So he, at the end of the article, he warns us, lastly, don't do it because you will ruin McSpicy and fried chicken for yourself forever. So he used to love uh, McSpicy, but he stopped taking this burger because it became a threat to his health. So this is a burger that divides. Our passage today is about a king who divides. It's about love and love coming to an end. See, the word for love uh, comes out eight times in the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel. And six of them come in our passage today about the different people who loved David. Our passage last week, uh, God chose David to be king over Israel. And David proved his credentials as king when he killed the giant, Goliath. And in today's passage, David was still being successful in defeating God's enemies. So many people loved him. Our passage is about love. Our passage is about uh, love coming to an end. You see, Saul was a king over God's people at this time. But Saul disobeyed God. And God was taking the kingdom away from Saul to give to David. Now, Saul used to love David. In chapter 16, this is what the passage says. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much. Literally, Saul loved him. And David became one of his armor bearers. Saul loved David. In our passage today, that love comes to an end. Saul realized that David, Saul realized that God gave David the kingdom. So the David that he once loved is now a threat to his rule. In our passage, we will see how Saul was obsessed about killing David, about killing God's chosen king. We'll see also today uh, the different reactions uh, to the chosen king. So our passage today uh, is like a mirror for us to reflect on our own reaction to God and his king. So in chapter 18, we'll see how God's king divides hearts. And in chapter 19, we'll see why opposing, opposing the king is a bad idea because those who oppose God's king fail and are shamed. And we will think about what this means for us. So if you have Bibles, please keep them open uh, to chapter 18 and 19. Chapter 18. Chapter 18, verse 1, Saul was still the king. Okay, let me read this for us. Okay, what's happening? After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan uh, became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. So Jonathan here is King Saul's firstborn son. So he's the crown prince. Now I just said that David, God had chosen David to be king. So Jonathan had a lot to lose to David. Jonathan would never become king because of David. Yet in verse 1, see how does Jonathan feel about David? Verse 1, he loved. He loved him as himself. Verse 3, Jonathan even makes a promise to David to seal their relationship. And Jonathan made a covenant, verse 3, with David because he loved him as himself. 
And in verse 4, Jonathan even gives David his own clothes and armed him with his own weapons. In verse 4, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic, even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Now, in those days, uh, we, don't have, uh, we don't have newspapers, we don't have social media, so we don't, they don't know how the king looks like. So one thing that helps them uh, identify the king is based on their clothes, based on their weapons. So when Jonathan, the crown prince, gives up his clothes and his weapons to David, David wears them. When someone looks at David, you say, hey, that's royalty. That's the king. Jonathan stood to lose everything to David. But we see here in verse 1 to 4, Jonathan willingly gave it all up to David for the true king. So as one reaction we see, love. Now Saul was different. Saul's anger, Saul's anger was triggered by, by the song sung by the woman. So verse 7, as, the, as they, the woman, danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul realized that David might be the true king. So he was eight. Saul, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. But me, with only thousands, what more can he get but the kingdom? Saul realized that David was the potential king. The one that God has said through Samuel, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, one better than you. That neighbor is David. Saul thought the kingdom was his. The throne was his. So David was going to take what belonged to him. Saul was threatened and Saul got angry. Saul was determined to hold on to power. He wasn't ready to hand over the reins to David. And then the opportunity came uh, in verse 10 when David came, came before him to play the lyre. Now, in last week's passage, we learned that Saul took David in to be his court musician. So whenever, this, whenever the evil spirit comes on him, David will play the lyre and Saul will be relieved. So in verse 10, the, spirit, the evil spirit came on Saul again, and David did what he usually do. He did. He played the liar. Now in verse 10, we see that, we see that Saul had, was at home, and he had a spear in his hand. Okay, so he was prophesying in his, in his house while David was playing the liar, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand. Now some people say that you know that Saul is troubled. See, Saul is the king, so he's in the safest place in the whole Israel with guards guarding him outside. Yet, he didn't feel safe. Yet, even the safest space inside, the, inside his house, he had to hold a spear. So, and, and as David played the liar, Saul raised that spear and hurled it at David. And Saul missed. And he grabbed the spear again and hurled it again. And Saul missed again. Now, how can the war-hardened Saul miss the defenseless David? And not once, but twice. And that's because David wasn't really defenseless. See, God was defending David. And that's what Saul realized in verse 12. Verse 12. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Saul realized he could only miss because God was with David. God had left Saul. 
So Saul moved from anger to fear. And instead of David, the victim, feeling fear, it's Saul, the aggressor, who feared. You see, if God's with David and not Saul, then Saul's not going to be successful in killing David. So that's why he feared. So, he, so what, we, what happens next is Saul sends David away from him. So he's no more his court musician. Now this might seem like a demotion because David won't be near the throne, he won't be near Saul anymore. But sending David away made matters worse for Saul. Because in verse 14, David was having victory after victory. In every, verse 14, in everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. And that's the phrase again, the Lord was with David. And this divided opinions about David. You either fear him or you get angry or you love him. So Saul felt more fear in verse 15. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. Saul feared David. So the more that Saul realized that the Lord was with David, the more he realized that the Lord was not with him. David was a rival to his power and God was making him more successful. And Saul realizes that his days are numbered. On top of that, the people all loved David. Verse 16, David was defeating their enemies the way that a king should be, the way that Saul should, should be. Now to be sure, David isn't uh, Saul's real problem. Saul's real problem was with God because Saul was rebelling against God. He kept saying no to God. So he needs to fix that problem. In our passage today, when, so when God gave David success in battle, Saul didn't love David like the people. Saul feared David because David was on God's side. Saul wasn't. But the rebellious Saul, the fearful Saul, the angry Saul wasn't ready to give up the throne yet. Saul came with another plan. Now, since David was so successful with the enemies, Saul plotted to make David a victim of his own success. He used his daughters to lure him to get himself killed by his enemies. So Saul is not beyond using other people to achieve, to secure his power. He uses his enemies. He even uses his own daughters. His enemies and daughters were pawns in his Game of Thrones. Now, with the older, older daughter, he told David in verse 17, chapter 18, verse 17, Saul said to David, Here's my older daughter, Merab. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. Now this plan didn't work. He, in the end, he gave Mirab to someone else. So he used his younger daughter, Michal. Now in verse 20, we see that uh, Michal, now Saul's daughter, Michal, was in love with David. Michal loved David. So Saul got his servants to tell David to get 100 Philistine, for, Philistine foreskins as the bright price. Now, what's going on here is this. Okay, so, some of us, when some of us got married, we have to do this uh, or we have to do this, uh, the, the groom has to uh, give a dowry to the bride's parents. He has to thank the bride's parents for raising the bride. So, and when the bride's parents accept the gifts, 
what they're doing is they're accepting the groom. Now, this gifts might include oranges, angpaos, or in my case, a, a roast pig. Now, in David's case, when he went to for his kuotali with Saul, what did he bring? He brought Philistine foreskins. Yeah, so in verse 26, when the, when the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So when the, a lot of time elapsed, David took his men. So, so before the, a lot of time elapsed, David took his men with him and went out and killed 200 Philistines and brought back their foreskins. Called the full number to the king so that uh, David might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave his daughter Michal in marriage. Now, not just 100, but 200. And you can see in the passage, he's so successful that he can do this before the deadline. Saul realized this and became more and more scared. He realized more and more that God was with David. It's getting clearer to him that David was the next king. So Saul got, in verse 29, he he was more afraid. Saul became more afraid of David. And this is when everyone else loved David. David, Saul's son, Jonathan, in verse 1. Israel, in verse 16. Saul's daughter, Michael, in verse 20. They all loved David because the Lord was with him. But, no, but Saul hated David. Saul was angry. Saul was scared. King David divides hearts. In the same way, King Jesus, our king today, also divides hearts. Now, people kind of couldn't agree whether he's the real deal, even though he cast out demons. In Matthew chapter 12, this is what happened. Then they took him, Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Now Jesus came to defeat evil. He did that so that you and I can be saved, can be saved from sin. So people uh, in those days love Jesus for all the good that he gives. But King Jesus divides. You see, King Jesus has authority over your life. And that's why in our passage, the Pharisees hated him. And some of us today, we might not hate hate Jesus, but we ignore him. Or maybe we get angry when we realize what he's asking. We get angry like Saul. Because Jesus is a threat to us living lives our own way. Now, King Jesus wants the best for you because you belong to him. So why not submit to him fully as your king? So we've seen how God's king divides hearts. And if we continue rebelling against against God's chosen king, then those who oppose God's king will fail and be shamed. Now, chapter 19 uh, feels like a repeat of chapter 18. What's going on, what's a new thing, what new thing is going on here is, at chapter 19, Saul was open about wanting to kill David. So in chapter 18, he wanted to do it secretly, but in chapter 19, he does it publicly. Now, in chapter 19, verse 1, he makes this public announcement. Verse 1, chapter 19, verse 1. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David told everyone to kill David. David was on Israel's uh, most wanted list. 
the safeties of shoot on sight. But we see that it's Jonathan, Saul's son, who saved David. Look at verse 4. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong? Why would why then do wrong to an innocent man like David and by killing him for no reason? So Jonathan reasoned with his father not to do wrong by killing David. David even helped Saul by killing the Philistine Goliath. So Saul would be really doing wrong to kill David. In verse 6, Saul agreed and he swore to not to kill David. So here you see that. Uh, you see Jonathan saving David. But soon, Saul ignored his own vow. In verse 9, again, Saul was at home holding his spear when an evil spirit came on him. And Saul, uh, David was again playing the liar to ease uh, Saul's discomfort. Uh, just now I was, I was talking with uh, Uncle Sengun and he's saying, why, why is David back here playing the liar even though Saul threw the spear at him? Well, I don't know, but here he is again. Here is David again serving the rejected king, doing what's good for the rejected king. But the rejected king rejects the chosen king. Again, we see in this passage, Saul fails and David escapes. So war, the war veteran with the spear failed to kill David armed only with a liar. And Saul, uh, David, in this case, he escapes to his own house. But that didn't stop Saul, like verse 18. You see, Saul was determined to kill David. So in chapter 19, verse 11, Saul sent men to David's house to watch it and kill him in the morning. Michael, David's wife, warned him, if you, do, if you don't run for your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So this was the, the passage that, we, that David was thinking about when he, when he wrote Psalm 59. He, he was in danger, he, his life was in danger, and Michael told him to flee. And not just that, Michael helped him to stall for time. Verse 13. Verse 13. Where is it? Okay, there we go. Then Michael took an idol and laid it on the bed, covering it with garment uh, and putting some goat's hair on his head. When Saul sent men to capture David, Michael said, He is ill. Now, I can't believe Saul's men fell for such a trick. Now, it was just a statue tucked under a blanket. Now, this shouldn't fool anyone. Now, imagine that if your colleague called in, uh, wanted to call in sick and then send a picture of what looks like a blanket covering a bolster you immediately know it's fake because in reality, he is queuing for Taylor Swift tickets. Yeah. Now, somehow, the people here, believe, the Saul's men believed Michael's silly trick and David got away. So Saul failed to kill David again. And he's, in this case, he was shamefully foiled by his own daughter. His own daughter managed to outsmart Saul and his men. All soldiers were no match for this one woman. David fled again uh, to Ramah. So this was where Samuel was. So Samuel was God's prophet, and God spoke uh, through Samuel. Verse 18. 
When David fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel and Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Nioth and stayed there. Saul heard about David's location and he sent one group of soldiers to capture David. Now surely one group of soldiers will be more than enough to, against this aging prophet Samuel. But what happened? Look at verse 20. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying, with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. The first group couldn't capture David. What happened is, God's Spirit came on them, and they started to prophesy, to speak ecstatically. They couldn't control themselves. And they couldn't complete the mission. So Saul sent a second group. And this second group also prophesied. They couldn't accomplish the mission. And Saul sent a third group. And they also prophesied. They also couldn't accomplish the mission. Three groups of soldiers, armed soldiers, are not good enough against this one aging prophet. I wonder at this point if Saul finally got the hint. After two chapters trying to kill David, he should have realized that he can't do it himself. But somehow Saul foolishly thought that maybe this one more time he'll be successful. So Saul went himself in verse 22. If you, want to, if you want something done, you do it yourself. But when he reached, something strange happened. But look at verse 23 to 24. Do you see what happens? Verse 23. So Saul went to Nioth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Nioth. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all that day and all that night. That is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets? The Spirit, the Spirit of God came on Saul, and Saul prophesied. Now, if you have been following the series, this is the second time that this happened. The first time Saul prophesied was to prove that he had God's Spirit to lead God's people. So this is in chapter 10. So when he, when Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met them. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he joined them in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Is Saul also among the prophets? That's the same phrase that we see in chapter 19, verse 24. Now, but it, it, now this passage, in today's passage, Saul wasn't honored. He shamefully stripped off his clothes uh, and lay naked all that day, all that night, prophesying. Now, someone compared both incidents uh, with this phrase. And you notice that the, this same phrase has a different meaning. Now, in chapter 10, it was to affirm that Saul is king. So the question is, meant, is the, is the hand of God also on Saul? So to trust him as king? But in chapter 19, it was ironic. The question is actually, is Saul mad to lie naked on the floor? Now, the first sign was used to prove that Saul was a good candidate for king. And this same sign is now used to prove that Saul cannot be king. He cannot be king because God had rejected Saul as king. So when God's spirit came on Saul, God's spirit caused Saul to act according to what God wants so Saul stripped, stripped off his kingly robes 
And now, if you look at that point, when they saw him, he didn't look like a king. So that Samuel's words will come true. Chapter 15, verse 26. You, Saul, have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. So more soldiers, and even Saul, were no match for against God's aging prophet. God was victorious over them, and God saved David. Saul knew that God was with David, but he thought somehow that this last time he could still defeat David. So he tried over and over again to kill David. Chapter 18, he did it secretly. Chapter 19, publicly. And each time he failed, and he failed more and more spectacularly. Until in verse 24, he lies naked and shamed all the day, all that night. So all who oppose God's king fail and are shamed. God's king divides hearts, and those who oppose God's king fail and are shamed. Now this means that we must submit to God's king. We must submit to God's king. Our passage today starts, starts and ends with royals taking off their clothes. At the start, Jonathan, the crown prince, took off his clothes, took off his royal robes, and willingly gave it to David. At the end of our passage, Saul, the rejected king, strips off his clothes and lies naked on the floor. Now put together, this passage teaches us that we must all submit to God's king. Or we must all offer up our crowns to him, whether willingly or unwillingly. So we can give up our, our authority to God's king willingly, like Jonathan, or we will be shamed and forced to bow the knee to, uh, to him, like Saul. God's chosen king for us isn't King David. God's chosen king for us is Jesus. You see, Jesus, David told us of a greater king who rules from heaven. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 34 to 36, this is what the passage says. For David did not ascend to heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. The greater king uh, that that David wrote about is Jesus. Now, we, we must all submit to Jesus as king. He's our good king who cares for us. He came to give us forgiveness so that you and I can have peace with him. If we love Jesus and submit to him willingly, like Jonathan, then Jesus will forgive us from all our rebellion against his kingship. And we can know God as our good father. But if we don't submit to Jesus as king, then we remain as his enemy, like Saul. Jesus is God's appointed king, but sometimes we behave as if he isn't the king. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you know Jesus, but you're not ready to submit to him. Or maybe you're in active rebellion against King Jesus. Now, if you haven't submitted to King Jesus, then you remain his enemy. And our passage in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 34 to 6, shows that God will defeat all of King Jesus' enemies, just as he defeated and shamed King Saul. Jesus' enemies will be defeated. They will be the footstool for his feet. But they will all, they will all submit to him as defeated enemies. So love King Jesus, and you receive King Jesus' love. Oppose King Jesus, and you receive King Jesus' opposition. Which side of the divide are you on? 
Let's pray. Now to the one who is able by the power at work within us to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or imagine. To God be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nicholas, for explaining that passage to us. We will now have a time of reflection questions uh, where we can discuss with each other what we have learned from the passage. So today we have two questions. The first, what are the different, re- sorry, what are the different reactions to King Jesus? And second, from your reaction to King Jesus, which side of the divide are you on? So we can take about five minutes to just um, get together and discuss these questions. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.